Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. A little later, some analysis of the 2018 midterm elections with voters about to render their decisions in a little more than a week. Kentucky has one of the most closely watched races in the country here in the 6th District Congressional race where Republican Congressman Andy Barr and Democratic candidate Amy McGrath have been running heavy TV ads and campaigning hard. That's coming up a little later. But first, this past week was designated school safety week and anti-bullying week here in Kentucky. It's a timely topic after it appears a potential attack on schools in Anderson County was recently foiled. Dunbar High School has become the second Lexington High School to get metal detectors. Of course, Kentucky is still dealing with the aftermath of the school shooting in Marshall County where lessons were learned. The Center for School Safety stays focused on a variety of threats to the places where students learn and teachers and staff work. John Akers is a former principal with 40 years years of experience in education under his belt. He now heads up the Center for School Safety at Eastern Kentucky University and is good enough to join us. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it very much. My pleasure. Uh, you had uh, the statewide proclamation for school safety week and notably it included uh, anti-bullying week as well in the declaration. Why is it important to step back and assess things and set aside a week like that? Well, I think it's important for us to realize that uh, having safe and healthy learning environments is the foundation of any school. If you don't, if the kids don't feel safe and the staff don't feel safe, then um, not a lot of good things are going to happen in that building. So it's important for us to talk about this. And it's not just about school shooters. It's about a myriad of things that can happen in a school, from natural disasters that it could happen, from tornadoes and issues like that, to uh, almost you know pandemic type things that could happen in schools too, uh, with flu viruses that come in, shut down schools, things like this. So there are myriad of things. But right now, the community seems to be focused on you know shooters that would come in, particularly with the Anderson County case. Well, and when you do a safe school assessment, what does that involve? Well, that's that's what we call it a comprehensive safe school assessment, and basically. We uh, survey the staff, the students, and the parents about two months ahead of time before we send a team in. We want to get a feel for what they're saying anonymously on a survey. Then we send a six-member team there, all our former administrators that have been ramped up in school safety issues. And uh, five of them will interview about 130 people during the day, and there'll be one person that will doing, be doing a walkthrough of the physical plant, looking at the building, seeing what the OSHA and the SEPTED requirements are being met, so to speak. And then from that, we crank out a, a, a complete uh, um, report that deals with our findings and we will come up with a series of accommodations and a series of what we call areas of mutual concern that bubble up from their surveys and the interviews and we'll make a series of recommendations and considerations for the schools to look at. Can any school request an assessment? Yes. And do you, uh, is it required that they do assessments? No, on it's not basis? required, but it's highly suggested. But the problem is we can only do so many per year because we obviously have limited funds and, and it's at no cost to the district. But we'll do two schools per district, so long like this year we're doing 85 of them. Uh, we have assessed over 1,000 schools in our state out of 1,200 schools. So we, those who have not had us in there, we'll give them first turndowns each year and then we'll pick back up uh, our schedule when people continue to ask for it. What have we learned since uh, the uh, Marshall County shooting? The months since then have been a time of uh, reflection and I know you've been assessing things, <coughs> not only at that school, but what can apply to others? Well, I would say a couple of things come into play here. One, there's what we call a hardware and then a hardware 
approach to this. The hardware looks at target hardening schools, making sure the exterior doors are locked, making sure the interior doors are locked during instructional time, having uh, certified law enforcement officers there, uh, having uh, all the locks of the uh, schools being uh, uh, functional, and uh, um, you know taking precautions on what we can as far as the physical plant's concerned. The hardware gets into what I consider the more serious things about are we looking at the mental health issues of these kids? Um, there's a, a screener out there called a resiliency survey where we, if we ask all the kids to take it that will give us an indication where the kids see themselves you know as far as their own personal self-esteem is concerned and their life is concerned. If those resiliency surveys kick up where the kids at risk then we have a threat assessment team that can be activated that will bring that kid in, work with the child a little bit more, work with the, work with the parents and the um, mental health care professionals and try to get that child help ahead of time before anything bad happens. And so we're kind of leaning towards that. And, and one of the things too, and I, I you know, shout out here to Fayette County that had that tax pass, which I endorsed on that because not so much the metal detectors and the hardware out there, but I like what they're doing with their guidance counselors. They're moving it from 500 to 1 to 250 to 1. They're bringing and mental health care professionals in there to work with these kids here too. That's where the root of the problem is, not so much what's being dragged into the school, but what the kids have in their minds and their self-esteem really comes into play when it comes to any kind of violence that goes on in a school. I mean, I seem to be hearing you say that it is more important the observations that the schools are making about to the students and kind of having that uh, connection to them and how they're doing uh, than to, as you say, hardening the targets. Right. You know, one of the questions we ask in that survey that I was talking about in our assessments, we ask the uh, kids, is there at least one responsible adult in that building that you can go to in time of need to report something. Hey, I heard somebody's got a gun or a knife or somebody's thinking about suicide, things like this. And uh, um, what we find out in the high schools, it's about 75 to 80 percent. So there's 20 percent or 25 percent that don't feel like there's an adult there. Middle schools are 85 to 90 percent, but still there's a 10 to 15 percent variable there. Elementaries are about 95 percent. So we wanted to see what we can do to enhance the teacher, students, professional relationship and you know that connectivity piece is where we want to go with this. Schools are trying a variety <laughs> of ways to keep the school safe. Dunbar High School where you used to be the principal by the mm -hmm. way uh, now has the metal detectors. It comes after Douglas uh, High School uh, got them earlier. Uh, am I hearing you say that while that is important that uh, maybe it's just as important that the people uh, around those doors uh, be observational? Well certainly. Um, when you look at metal detection in any type of facility as far as schools are concerned, it's compromised, it's compromised by the number of doors you have around the building. And so uh, you're theoretically looking at the kids that come into school from 8 to 8.30, so to speak, before school starts, and you're screening them, okay? Um, but if a person wanted to get something into that building, they could do it through a side door or after school when the building's pretty much stand open. Um, so it's not the be-all, end-all situation, but Here's what we find out is that when they have a good staff member there who really cares about kids, screening those kids come in, it's not about, it's not about the metal detection, it's about, hey, good morning to you, how are you doing today? Hey, I saw you on the soccer field, great job, or hey, I heard you playing the band the other night. That's fantastic. That, that connectivity piece is what I'm trying to talk about right there. Mm -hmm. That when we look at it as just a job, I got a metal detect somebody. That's one thing, but if I look at it as, as an opportunity to connect with kids, that's where we're going with this. So 
The metal detection sets a standard. This is what we're going to expect coming into our school or not expect to come into our school, but realize that there are side doors where these things could, could come into play. But if I can make a, a better relationship with the kids when they come in through that door, I'm ahead of the ball game. Recently, a situation uh, involved an outsider. The incident at Anderson County High School was attention getting. Uh, an out-of-state mother chose to report her concerns. Uh, does it appear that that made the key difference there? Most definitely. And, you know, I like to uh, springboard from what uh, Homeland Security says. If you see something, say something. Well, if you read something online, let us know about that. And, and uh, uh, thank God that she did that. You know, um, there are some uh, technologies out there right now that are being uh, used by some school districts, Fayette County is one of them, where they're scanning social media for these type of situations out there. Now, that's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but every now and then you catch on to something like that. So it gives you another layer of, um, what do I say, opportunity to try to find if something's out there. But the key to this thing, uh, Bill, is, is that when you look at the 294 threats we had last year from January 23rd through April 30th, about 110 of those came in electronically. If the parents would do us a big favor and scan what their kids are doing online. Uh, their cell phones, their text messages and things like that, the parents pay for them. We asked if they would monitor them every now and then and give us a heads up. We have the kids during 15% of a calendar year. Parents have them that other 85%, so we need their help. Uh, you know, if you buy this uh, um, saying that it takes a village to raise a kid, well, it takes a village to help kids stay safe, too, or be safe. So if the parents could help us join arm in arm with looking at their social media where their kids are, that would help out a lot too. Anderson County closed schools uh, on that day. Uh, is that a tough call as to when to go ahead and when to actually uh, potentially uh, cancel classes when there are threats? Because as you said, there were dozens in the, uh, in the weeks after Marshall yes. County. Rather safe than sorry. Yeah. You can go ahead and extend a school year one day or two days and close it down because that was a real credible threat. Law enforcement said it was a real credible threat. Let's get those kids home, let them get them with their parents, and send out a message that we're dealing with you know, a serious situation here. So they made a good call. So did Shelby County. They made good calls on that, and I think that uh, uh, that gave law enforcement a little more elbow room to find where that guy was and uh, uh, take the appropriate uh, actions. Kentucky lawmakers, after the Marshall County uh, shooting, uh, were not knee-jerk in the reaction. They uh, had uh, uh, sort of set aside an organized way to go about uh, looking at potential ways to make things safer. Sure. Uh, Chairman uh, of the Senate Ed Committee, Max Wise, and Chair of the House Education Committee, Bam Carney, took a step back and said, okay, let's look at this thing holistically. They brought in a national expert from Washington, D.C., Bill Modulesky. Uh, they set up a school safety work group that uh, has uh, um, um, stakeholders, principals, superintendents, teachers, uh, one of the students from Dunbar High School that's on the committee there, plus uh, selected uh, legislators that are on this group. And we are touring around the state of Kentucky listening to community members tell us what they want to have happen when it comes to school safety issues or concerned around the state. So we've been to Trigg County, Barron County, um, um, Northern Kentucky. We're going out to East Kentucky, Central Kentucky. And, and so they're trying to gather as much information before they start crafting pieces of legislation. And I think that's the way to go with this. We're with John Akers from the Kentucky Center for School Safety, which is based at EKU. We'll be back in a moment with him. We'll also talk about the be incredible pledge and a little later we look at the last few days of campaign 2018 we'll be right back 
We welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers on WKYT. And John Akers is here from the Kentucky Center for School Safety based at EKU. We've been talking about uh, this has been School Safety Week in Kentucky. And also there was a piece in there, Anti-Bullying Week as well, which you say is very important. Uh, bullying in schools, uh, a continuing issue uh, that uh, we're trying to address as in a in society, right? Most definitely. And, and let's look at the math on a lot of these things. We have 132,000 schools around the country, and we had a very few number of school shootings, which constitute one-tenth of one percent. But bullying goes on day after day after day, and a lot of it is not being done face-to-face. -face. A lot of it is being done electronically, and that's a frustration that educators have is that, you know, we can't see what's going on in their cell phones or what's going on in their iPads or their computers at home like this. And so having that reported to us becomes a very difficult uh, situation like that. And if we, if we know about it ahead of time, then we can try to do something to help resolve it. But if we don't know about it, then that becomes a problem. A lot of the kids will not report bullying to us because they don't want to lose their device. That if the parent thinks that they're getting something on their iPhone, their parent may say, well, let me have that phone. Well, that, that stops their communication with their, you know, with their peers and stuff. And so that gets to be a problem there too. But we've had kids that have uh, taken their lives because of being bullied and being cyber bullied. And so this is actually Bullying Prevention Month. And that was a piece of the legislation that the General Assembly passed two years ago. I believe a middle school down in Madison County forwarded that legislation there. And so we've had that program on our um, website, the, uh, the Be Incredible uh, uh, model. Yeah, so what does that do? Well, basically we're asking kids and adults to take the pledge to do the best they can to prevent bullying in their area. And uh, right now I think we're right up to 60, 60 to 70,000 people who have taken the pledge right now. That's good news. Bad news is there's 630,000 kids in the state, so I, I want more kids to come involved taking that pledge. I've been uh, rem you know, reminding superintendents to jump on board with this thing. Fake County's jumped right in the middle of this thing, and they've had over 1,000 kids that have already uh, taken the pledge, which I'm very happy about that. But we're just trying to draw awareness to parents, to teachers, and to kids that this is something we need to look out for and to stand up against the bullies and to stand up and help uh, the victims when they're being bullied. I, I know you also frequently address parental behavior mm -hmm. in schools mm -hmm. and uh, in that uh, whether it is access or uh, just uh, how people uh, uh, leave an example for children, you're, you're asking them to, to be aware of that. Yeah, uh, again like I said earlier that we need the parents help on this stuff. Uh, bad things don't stop at three o'clock when, you know, when the bell rings. A lot of things happen from 3 o'clock to 8 o'clock that next morning before the kids come back into school. And so we need parents to keep their eyes and ears open on any issues that could affect their children when they're in our schools from 8 to 3 o'clock during the day and stuff like that. So we need that help. Also, uh, at the risk of sounding like an old man, I think parents need to be more cognizant of the fact of what their kids are watching on TV, what, they're, what sites they're visiting on their websites, and be more of a parent than a best friend. Now, that being said, we have a lot of parents out there that are really good parents, but we have some that allow the cell phone and the TV to be the babysitter. And that's a recipe for disaster. How important is it that uh, schools continue to push for conversations uh, on safety and security like this? Well, it's, it's ever-evolving. Uh, when I first started the job back in 2000, we were talking about anthrax in the schools. 
Now we're talking about uh, uh, all kinds of uh, video games that these kids are uh, playing at home where they're shooting bodies that look like live bodies there and they're, they're being trained to shoot these things. And so this pendulum keeps on swinging all the way around. Um, very inappropriate uses of the camera on their cell phones and I won't get into details there but you can just let your mind wander on that. That's really perplexing the schools big time with these things. And it's a good technology that's going bad by the way some of these kids are using these um, technologies. I go back to the parents and say we need your help. Get those phones, monitor those phones, monitor where your kids are. Your website uh, also connects schools to the Preparathon, which is uh, put together by FEMA. Right. Uh, schools also have to keep a very close eye uh, out for potential natural disasters. As you said, uh, sometimes it's as simple as a rising creek or uh, snow that may be uh, not as tough in the morning but could be by the afternoon. Sure. And they have big decisions to make. Sure. Uh, when you look at our website and you look at our emergency operating uh, resource guide there, we have 29 different things that can happen in the school that we call immediate protocols for. And, and so it's just not about the shooter. It could be the disenfranchised dad that lost custody of their child coming into school and trying to snatch their kid from the school. That's one thing that really perplexes a lot of elementary people. So when you look at school safety, there's a huge umbrella that a lot of these things drug use. Uh, alcohol abuse, uh, bullying, suicide ideation, and I could just go down the list like that, but we just certainly want to make sure that we look at it as an all-hazards approach type of situation. We don't let one incident wag the whole tail of the dog. All right. Thank you so much for coming by. My if pleasure. If people want more information about the Center for School Safety and, and your recommendations, what do they do? Just get on our website, uh, kysafeschools.org, or call our office at 877-805-4277, and I'll be very happy to speak with them. John, thanks for coming. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. And we hope you'll stay with us. We're coming back with a look ahead to the important midterm elections a week from Tuesday. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers.